We are going to continue our series in the Gospel of Matthew this evening. Everyone say Gospel of Matthew. In the Gospel of Matthew. This will be our second to last week. Next week, Pastor Tim will go ahead and close out the series for us. We've been in the series for the last month or two. And I'm really excited to jump in tonight. I want to talk about something that's a bit of like a hot topic. Bit of a hot topic. I'm going to say hot topic. Bit of a hot topic. Something that can be a little bit uncomfortable to talk about in church sometimes. Really uncomfortable to talk about anywhere. Shh, listen, listen, listen. Something that may be like when you hear like this phrase or like this topic, you're instantly like afraid or like curious or like a bunch of movies come to your, to your mind. And it's kind of this topic that, that Jesus really focuses a lot on before he goes and takes on the cross. And this topic, this theme is the coming of the kingdom of heaven or what we often call the end times. Everyone say end times. Look at your neighbor and say, the end times. Look at your other neighbor and say, oh, dang, here we go. Oh, dang, here we go. This is, this, this is something that when we talk about in church, there's a lot of like, what do I do with this, right? Like, like okay, like, you know, there's, there's like fears involved. Like, when is Jesus going to come back? Is he going to catch me at like an awkward moment? Any of you guys ever had that fear? Like, who knows what I'm going to be doing? Like, he starts coming down in the clouds and like, I was busy, like, nerding out with something, and it's like, oh, he's coming. He, like, like, whatever it is, it's like, like what, what's going to happen? Like, when will that moment be? Maybe for some of you, if you're to be honest, there's, like, some fear of, like, oh, like, heaven or, like, hell. Shh, listen, listen, listen. Like, there's, there's serious stuff there. What I want to do this evening is, is lean into some of the passages that Jesus teaches on. Because what we see is right before Jesus goes to the cross, and some of his final teachings. He focuses on the coming of the kingdom of heaven, his, his second coming. When he comes back and he makes all things right, when he will come and establish his kingdom. So Jesus sees it as something super important. So that means we need to see it the way that he does. Are you tracking with me? So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be hitting three different passages near the end of the gospel of Matthew, starting in Matthew 22. I saw a bunch of y'all walking in with your Bibles. I love to see it. Good stuff. Paper Bibles are the best. So go ahead and turn to Matthew 22, starting in verse 1. Here we go. This is the gospel of Matthew. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Everyone say, everything. No, 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 say, everything. There we go. Let me pause right here. The picture here that's going on in Matthew 22 is this party is like next level. Let me ask you this. This is something I think all of us can relate on unless you're like vegetarian or vegan and I might offend you. I'm sorry. Who here loves a good steak? Like, like a, a good steak and some good, like, garlic mashed potatoes. You know what I'm saying? Like, the perfect combo. All you need is maybe, like, a roll with it. And then, like, you have the best plate of food on earth. But the only thing that's better than a steak is what? It's a filet mignon wrapped in bacon. You guys ever had a steak like that? You know, it's like, like, put the bacon on, on top of this filet mignon. It's like next level. The, the picture that's going on here is that this party... This party is like next level. 
We have, we have this king and he's bringing like all the stops because this is a special occasion, celebrating his son getting married. So this is big. So, so most people couldn't afford parties like this, but the idea is supposed to connote is that this party is far better. Everyone say better. better. This party is far better than like any other party they're going to. So when I talk about this wedding feast, picture that bacon wrap filet mignon. And if you're vegetarian, a really good like mushroom with, I don't know, something, something great. Moving on. Here we go, here we go. Verse 5. So he said, he invites him, come to the wedding feast, verse 5. But they paid no attention. If you have your Bible, I want you to pay attention to that. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm and another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, rightfully so. And he sent his troops and destroyed those murders and burned their city. Then he sent his servants, the, and he says, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And the servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. Everyone say bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled. Everyone say filled. The wedding hall was filled with guests. Verse 11. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Pay attention here. And the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. If you have your Bibles, just turn like two pages over to Matthew 24. Verse 3 says this. As Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when these things will be. Talking about the end times here. And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. Then skip down to verse 10 with me. It says, and then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Pay attention to verse 13 right here. But the one who endures, everyone say endures. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Go and bow your heads and let's pray together. Just even as Pastor Tim had us do, just take a moment just to take account of things on your heart, on your mind, things that are heavy. Maybe you even want to do that thing with your hand again, just as an illustration of what you're carrying, what you're holding on to, what feels heavy. Would you just open up your hand and would you say, Lord, it's yours. Then would you say, Lord, I am yours. Jesus, we love you. Be glorified. Holy Spirit, would you speak? In Jesus' name, amen. Nice and short. Nice and short. Everyone said amen? <laughs> I caught you all by surprise. I said amen. Everyone's like, did I, did I hear him wrong? Did I hear him wrong? All right, this is what I want to do. I want to try to move quickly through just four simple points about what I feel like is, is important that Jesus emphasizes here about the end times. Everyone say the end times. 
Four simple points. Number one is be ready. Everyone say, be ready. We see number one, Jesus calls us to be ready. We see here at the end of, of Matthew 24, Jesus says, Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake, would not have let his house be broken into. Makes sense, right? Verse 44, therefore you must all, you must, yo, sorry, I'm tripping. Therefore you also must, what? You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. What Jesus teaches when he talks about the end times is an, is an eagerness and a being ready for Christ to return, right? Like, like when we talk about Christ's return, we must understand that this is an important piece of the message of the gospel, right? It's like Jesus' second return is not just something like that's included in scripture, but not important. Like, no, no, no. Like we cannot preach the gospel without talking about Jesus' second coming, right? Like we can talk about the death of Jesus Christ, right? Like where he pays for our sins. The Bible says he's the propitiation. He takes on the wrath and the punishment that you and I Deserve. Praise God for that. We remember that. And then also like, we remember the resurrection, right? Like we just celebrated Easter. So we know that Christ is not still laying in the grave, but he got up. Am I right? Like he got up and, and, and like that gives us victory over death. And then we see kind of the third piece is Jesus ascends. And because Jesus ascends, he gives us the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus was just one guy, one dude. But when he ascends into heaven, he gives us his spirit so that he can live inside of us. Are you tracking with me? You tracking with me? This is like Bible 101. But then the next piece is right now we kind of live in a time where we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, but we also wait for Jesus to establish his kingdom, right? Like all you have to do is like look at the people in this room and you kind of know like, okay, if there's like tension or like brokenness in this room, that's a sign the kingdom hasn't come yet. Like outside of this room, like in your school, in the world that we live in, the brokenness the sin, the disease, the suffering. Those are all symptoms of a broken world that when Jesus comes back, all those things will come to an end. Amen? This is, this is what we hold to as Christians. So we can't just talk about the death and resurrection and ascension. We also have to talk about when Jesus will come back. We can't just talk about it, but we must be ready. Everyone say, be ready. Let me illustrate it like this. How many of you guys are the oldest sibling in your family? There we go, there we go, there we go. So maybe, maybe for some of you, you know like as the oldest sibling in your family, there comes a point when, when mom and dad are going to go out and have a date night or they're doing whatever, that they don't have to bring in a babysitter anymore, right? Because there's, there's like you, the oldest child, the responsible oldest child. O oldest child, raise your hand one more time. I'm, I'm talking to you. Take good care of your little siblings. Don't let them die. That's a good thing. But like, like there comes a day when like that's on you. How many youngest children are in the room? Keep, keep your hand up. Keep, keep, your, keep your hand up. Like, keep your hand up until like, I'm done talking about youngest children. Shh, listen, listen, listen. Youngest children, youngest children, hear me, hear me. It will go well over for you if you respect your oldest sibling. Amen? All right, all right. Oldest children said amen. Middle children, you're awesome. You're usually well behaved, so continue. But, but like, there comes this day, shh, there, there comes this day when like, I'm the youngest in my family, so eventually when my parents are like, all right, Augustine is my oldest brother, and really more so Michaela because she's maybe the more responsible one. You guys are responsible for, like, taking care of the house, making sure no one dies when we're out at day night, right? Like, so you guys are responsible, and so me and my siblings being mature, like, 
we're awesome, right? Like, like legit, like my siblings, like we didn't fight that much. Like we were pretty well behaved unless they were beating me in basketball and I turned into a rage monster and punched everyone. It was, it was terrible. But most of the time we were really well behaved. But we had this one thing, this one game that was only on the table if my parents had left the house. Pastor Victor, this, is, this, this story is for you. This, this game that was, was called Ball War, okay? It's a, a super not creative name, but it was called Ball War. And now all that Ball War was, was this like ridiculous thing we do, like, okay, mom and dad aren't home. Let's just rage and be like stupid and crazy. So we go down to the basement, close the door and like fold up the ping pong table we had in our basement, push it over to the wall and like remove any breakables, okay? Because that's how you get in trouble especially when you lie about breaking the breakables like I used to, okay? So like that's, so we remove all the breakables and then what we would do is like, any of you guys have like a mini basketball hoop? Like, you know, you got the, the, the foam ball. Yeah, 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 I grew up on this. So we had like a ton of, a ton of those. So we take like six or seven of these like mini balls and basically it was just like a free for all. Peg your siblings as hard as you can until mom and dad come home. It was epic. It was amazing. It was like the best time ever. Like you could get aggression out without actually fighting. It was awesome. So like what we would do is like we would start like a round whenever like, and we would start the round by putting on a soundtrack. The soundtrack sounded something like this. Mr. Josh, what did it sound like? Okay, 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 they get, it. they get it. Any Star Wars fans in here? Any Star Wars people? Right on, okay, right on. Some of you are like, they're, they were into opera? What? No, Star Wars. So, so like we would turn on the music and once the music turned on, there were like two simple rules. If you got hit by a ball, then you had to fall to the ground. And if you were carrying like other weapons, then you had to let those go and throw them in the air. Other than that, everything was on the table. And the goal was like, hit your sibling in the face. Like, it stings them, right? Like, and so it was just like an all-out rage. Like, I mean, my sister, like, God bless her, like, three brothers, one girl. Like, any, any, any of you ladies, like, the only, the only lady in your family other than your mom? Yeah, you, you know how it goes. Like, with other brothers, it's like, well, I want to be included, but also, like, I don't want to die, but also I can't, like, show weakness. It was that what was going on. Okay, so, like, my sister, like, she, she had an arm, like, don't feel bad for her. She had an arm, she, like, she hits you, it hurt. But like, so it was all out war until one moment when one sound would go off. This is the sound of the garage door. Some of you guys know this, this sound well, right? Like you're, you and your siblings are doing whatever. It's like, it's like you live in a world where it's like lawlessness is okay. And then all of a sudden, and you're like, Everyone stop! And like, and like everything changes in a moment. Like ping pong table came back down. Like all the breakables back. Like in a moment, everything changed. Why? Because we were always ready. Everyone say ready. We were always ready. We were always anticipating them coming back. Their second coming. That's not super dramatic. Like we were always ready for them to come back. Because the reality is, is that we live different when we know that someone is coming back. Are you tracking with me? Are you tracking with me? Like, like we, live, we live different when we understand that like what we do right now matters. The way we live our lives today matters. Everyone listen, everyone listen. And the reason why Jesus teaches about his second coming is because we don't just have like our years on earth, however long they may be, just to kind of like have fun. Go out and like do your thing, you be you live your best life, live your truth. Like 
We don't have just like the years we have just to go out and do our thing. Because the reality is that if you are in Christ, when you put your faith in Jesus and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, you become a citizen of a different country. And you have a new life that begins that day. And that life doesn't end because you spend eternity with Jesus. But the reality is that if we just kind of treat Christ coming back as like a far off distant thing that one day will happen, but it doesn't impact us today, we are actually taking Jesus' words, not literally, we're actually disobeying our king. And friends, my invitation to us tonight is that, that first of all, when Jesus teaches about the end time, he says, no one knows the day and the hour. This is why I think it's ridiculous when people like try to come up with like a, a good guess of like estimation. When is Jesus coming back? Jesus literally says, I don't even know. Only the Father knows. So don't waste your time trying to predict the future. It's not going to work. But like, like Jesus doesn't even know. But the reality is that Jesus calls us to be ready, to live in anticipation and with longing. Everyone say longing. To live with a longing saying, Lord, there's all this brokenness and suffering in our world. Lord, would you please come back? And ultimately, we're able to see Christ coming back as a good and beautiful thing when we know who Jesus is. When we know that his second coming means he brings his kingdom, that all injustice and brokenness and suffering will be dealt with forever. So number one, Jesus calls us to be ready. Everyone say, be ready. Number two, that Jesus calls us to see the kingdom of heaven as far better than anything on earth. Everyone say better. Calls to see us far better. Flip back with me to Matthew 22. I want to camp out in this parable for a second. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son, sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. So he sends servants out again saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my uh, bacon wrapped filet mignons, fat calves, same thing, have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast and pay attention here, friends. Verse five, but they paid no attention and went off one to his farm, another to his business while the rest seized the servants, treated them shamefully and killed them. Friends, what we see here in this passage is Jesus over and over, whenever he teaches about the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, the kingdom that he would establish one day, he teaches us that it is something beautiful. He teaches us that, that the kingdom of heaven is far better than anything on earth. But this is what I want, what I want you guys to hear this evening. Everyone listen, everyone listen is that we will only see the kingdom of heaven as far better if we see Jesus as better. Okay, everyone listen, everyone listen. We will only see Christ coming back. We will only see eternity with God in heaven. We will only see that as far better if we see Jesus as better than anything in this world. If we see Jesus as our king, as our savior, as our Lord. If he is not that to you, then really the kingdom of heaven will mean nothing to you. The, the kingdom of heaven, all it becomes about is like, well, I prayed the prayer and like I have like my get out of jail free card, right? Like, like we're playing Monopoly, like I'm safe, I'm good. I know, I know where I'm spending eternity. But the reality is that when Jesus teaches about the kingdom of heaven, he says, no, 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 no. This is far better than anything of this world, but it'll only be a gift if you see Jesus as better. Everyone say better. 
What do we see here in this passage? We see that the king sends two batches of invites because he wants the wedding hall to be filled with guests. That's our father. He wants, he wants many in eternity with him, in relationship with him. But what do we see here is that, that these people the invite goes out to, they, they pay no attention. They say, no, 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 like, I'm, I'm going to go to my farm. I, I got to work. No, I'm going I'm to go to my business. I, I want to make money. It says the rest, they seized the servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. This is, this is Jesus talking about the Jewish leaders who, when prophets were sent to Israel, prophesying about the coming Messiah. They killed these prophets, persecuted them, mistreated them. But I wonder how many of us do the exact same thing. When we hear the message of the gospel, we hear that there's a God who sent his son for you, for you, for me. He sent his son for us to, to die and to be raised back to life so we could have hope. And also he sent his son so we could be invited into the banquet, into this, into this banquet, this, this picture of heaven with God eternally. But just like maybe some of these people who got the invites, let me ask you, what's, what is something in your life that often you're more concerned about than Jesus? It may not be a farm or a business. I, I kind of doubt that for, for most of you, maybe for some of you. Right? Like, like maybe for some of us in this room, it's like you, you might get this invitation and be like, yeah, yeah, like that, that like buffet sounds awesome. Like I love steak. But like I got my sport to grind and I, I need to get a scholarship. No, like that sounds great and all, like that's all, that's all good. The gospel's a cute story that I hear on Easter and at Christmas Eve, but like, but like popularity means more to me. Acceptance from the people around me means more to me. Being like successful or, or gifted, that means more to me. My boyfriend, my girlfriend, my friend group, those mean more to me. And friends, hear me tonight. So often we see the generosity and the goodness of God expressed in the fact that he has given us his son. But if we take the invitation of the gospel lightly, we're just like these people. We're just like these people who go to the farm or go to the business or even kill his servants because they take the invitation of the king lightly. We continue, continue reading. Let's see who the kingdom of heaven is for. We've seen verse 7 says the king was angry. Everyone say angry. You would be too if someone killed all of your servants, the people you sent out to invite into this wedding banquet. The king was angry and sent his troops and destroyed those murders and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. Everyone say as many as you find. Verse 10, and those servants went out to the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. Friends, what do we see here in this passage? We see that, that the people who the invitation went out to first, they took it for granted because they thought that, that they deserved that invitation. They, they took it lightly because they thought they deserved to be, to be invited into like a royal wedding. So they took it lightly. But then we see this group of people from all over the place, both bad and good, sinners and righteous people, sinners and religious people, maybe like the rich and the poor, people from all different races, cultures, backgrounds, countries, they're all brought in. And they come into this wedding feast grateful. Everyone say grateful. 
And friends, hear me. What Jesus is going after here in this parable is that those who take the invitation of the gospel for granted, those are the ones who the kingdom of heaven is not for. The kingdom of heaven is not seen as something good or beautiful to the people that take it for granted, but the people who are grateful, who understand that they don't deserve the love of God, that understand that they don't deserve the mercy of God expressed on the cross by Jesus Christ. Those who understand that I bring nothing to this table, that, that I don't even have like, like the proper wedding attire. I have nothing to bring to this royal wedding, something that is far better than anything of this world. I have nothing to bring, but I'm just honored the king invited me. Friends, that's whom the kingdom of heaven is for. What would change if we were a people who wouldn't take the gospel for granted, who wouldn't take it lightly, who wouldn't take it as something that we deserve? That we'd be a people of gratitude. Are you tracking with me this evening? Are you tracking? A people of gratitude who understand what Jesus endures was not our right. It's not what we deserved. It's what he freely gave us. Amen. Amen. Continue reading with me here in verse 11. This part of the story is challenging. I want to dig into it. Verse 11. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get uh, get in here without a wedding garment. And he was speechless. And the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him to the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. What do we see here in this passage? We see that after the invitation goes out to both the bad and the good, the rich, the poor, everyone, that everyone that comes into the wedding is in proper wedding attire. Y'all ever been to like a wedding before? Like you, you go and like you're looking nice, suit, tie. There's a brother here who's wearing like a, a, a tie today with his shorts and like, like dressing up for church, but also like casual. Where is he? I don't, I don't see him, wherever he is. Okay. Oh, I see you right there, bro. I see you. I see you with the tie and everything. It's great. Like imagine like coming into a wedding, like you're wearing your wedding best because you understand it's like, this is a wedding. We're honoring someone, especially like a royal wedding. Do any of you guys, I feel like there's like some people that like deeply care about this and the rest of us who couldn't care less. But if you care about it, it's amazing. Who of you guys like really care about the royal family in England? Is there anyone who just thinks that's the coolest thing ever? There, I see you. Raise your hand confidently. Okay, there's like two of you. Okay, amazing. Okay, amazing. Okay, good for you. This illustration means nothing now. But imagine being invited into like, like the, a wedding of a king. Like this is something special. But the reality is, is that like you don't even have the right attire to come to for this wedding. What we see here is that the picture we get, and there's, there's lots of different theories and commenta commentaries on this in New Testament studies, but that everyone coming to this wedding is wearing the wedding attire besides one person. Besides this, this one guy. So when the king comes in, he asks, how did you get in here without the wedding attire? Everyone else is doing this. Everyone understood that this is, this is appropriate for the occasion. It's right. How did you get in here? And my brain went to this, to this thought that how many of us, we want to we wanna come into the bank. We want to come and get the reward of what God has for us. The, the things that sound good, like answers to prayer. How, how many of you guys want answers to your prayers? Yeah, it's good. It should be probably all of you or else you wouldn't pray. Like answers to prayers or like, like a blessed life or like all the things that we read about that sound really good in Christianity. How many of us, we want to come into and, and receive the benefits of the wedding feast without 
putting on the way of life that God has called us into. Without understanding that when, when God sends this invitation of salvation to us to come and celebrate his son, how many of us, we want to keep doing our thing? We want to wear what we want to wear, do what we want to do, keep our life and just kind of add on Christianity. And what we see is what happens to this man who, who wants to come into this feast but doesn't understand the importance of it, doesn't understand that, that these wedding clothes have been provided. Everyone is wearing the proper attire besides him. He wants the reward without understanding the call. And friends, hear me tonight. What Jesus wants us, when we, when we look at the end times, when we look at him coming back in his second coming, hear me. We must see Jesus as better than anything in this world or else his kingdom will mean nothing to us. If, if the kingdom is all about just heaven or not going to hell or like banquets and rewards and streets of gold and whatever like you picture when you think of heaven, that's what it's all about. Heaven is actually going to be something that you dislike because heaven's a place that understands that it's all about Jesus. Where every person will come and every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And friends, hear me, that is the reward of eternal life. That's what we look forward to is not rewards and all these great things that will probably be in heaven that are going to be awesome. Friends, hear me, the greatest reward of eternal life and when Jesus comes back is that we'll get to see him face to face. Are you tracking with me? Point number three, worship team, you guys can go ahead and come on up. That Jesus calls us to not be afraid. Jesus calls us to not be afraid. Look at Matthew 24, verse 6 with me. It says, and you will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not alarmed. If you have your Bible, underline or highlight that phrase. See that you are not alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. Let me ask an honest question in this room. How many of you guys, when you think about Jesus coming back, the coming of the kingdom of heaven, like when you think about the end times, like the number one thing you feel is just like terror and fear. Can, can you be honest in this room? Can you be, like, be, be honest in this room. Like when you think about like Jesus coming back, like so often like our primary thing that we think about is like, I'm scared. Like, like what's going to happen? Where is he going to come? Like what's it going to look like? Like is he going to catch me? Like, like in a weird moment, like what, what is going to happen? Right? Like, like, like be real here. Like, is he going to, like, come back and, like, everyone's going to be able to see him? Like, is this, like, Instagram Live and pulls out their phone and it's like, bro, it's Jesus. Or is it like, are we all going to see him? I don't know. But the reality is that for a lot of us in this room, even sometimes how the end times is taught. Shh. Even how the end times is taught often. It's all, it's all about fear. It's all about, well, you don't, you don't want to go to hell, so you, so you better just, like, believe in Jesus. It's all, it can all be based in fear of like all these terrible things are going to happen. And, and like we so often read into all those things and like the emotion that we feel, the gut thing that we feel is terror, is anxiety. Maybe even anxiety about like, am I like, am I really saved? Right? Let's, let's be real about that one. I've had conversations with so many of you in this room. How, like, like, how do I know? Shh, listen, listen, listen. How, how, do I, how do I know? What, what if I'm not, like there are like 
like scary things, scary questions that we can process with that. And what we see here is that, that Jesus puts it clearly, that the objective of him telling the disciples about the end times is to see that you are not alarmed. If you, if you back up to verse 3, we see the, the disciples are asking this question, tell us when, when will these things be? And, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? They're looking for a sign. They want to be able to hold on to control, know exactly what it's going to look like, but no, 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 no. Jesus tells them about some things that are going to happen, but he doesn't give them a date. He doesn't say like 2049, Jesus is coming back. I don't know. You say yes. I don't know. 2049, like, like Jesus didn't give a date. Jesus didn't give like, these are the eight things that will happen. You'll be able to see like, no, no, no. But what Jesus is concerned about, he says, see that you are not alarmed. And friends, hear me tonight. The Lord wants you to know is that his second coming is something that is good. And it's something that is full of hope. Everyone say hope. Drew, can you bring down the lights a little bit? Something full of hope. When we think about Jesus' second coming, we, we can look in and we can remember who our Savior is, what type of king we have. That he's not coming back just to throw everyone into hell because he's mad at the world and no, no, no. What do, we, what do we see in this parable? Jesus, the, the king, invites so many. And even those who deny, the king, the king judges. But then it says, go back out and invite as many as you can find, both bad and good. He invites them into his kingdom. And friends, hear me tonight. When we think about Christ's return, it's something we can be eager for, something we can desire, because we know that our king is good. Right? We, we know that our king, the kingdom that he will establish is good. Look at this passage in John 16, 33 with me. Many of you guys know this passage. Jesus says this in John 16, 33. He says, I've told you these things, that in me you may have peace. Everyone say peace. I told you these things, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. You will have trouble, but take Heart, for I have overcome the world. Friends, hear me. We can look at the second coming of Jesus, something that is good, something that is beautiful, something that is, is full of hope, because we know we have a God who is going to come back and make all things right. But even today, like where, where the kingdom hasn't come yet, like, like for every single one of us in this room, we are experiencing the need for Jesus to return. We experience it every day. Like when you get out of bed and like you're sore. I don't know, maybe you guys are too young for that. Pastor Tim can tell you about that. <laughs> I, I feel it too because I have ankle, ankle issues. It's different. But like when you have pain in your body. Like when you, when you open up your phone, the first thing you see on social media is a bombing, is a shooting. Our statistics about addictions, all these things that we see clearly. Maybe you go into your school and all you have to do is hear someone talk for 20 seconds. 
And you hear the isolation they're in, the depression they're in, the anxiety they're in, the brokenness that they're living. And maybe you in this room, someone really close to you, you experience that brokenness in your family. Divorce. Siblings that have walked away from the Lord or that are, that are prodigals. Brother, like every single one of us experienced this brokenness. What Jesus tells us, he, he tells us about the end times, he tells us about things to come. I've told you things like, in me you may have peace. Take heart. He doesn't tell us to take heart because all situations are going to turn around like this. He doesn't say, take heart and like if you believe hard enough, like I'll just take all those things away from you. No, no, no. Take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Friends, hear me. When we believe Jesus is who he says he is, we have hope that Jesus will make all things right. But we also have hope today that Jesus is enough today. That he is enough. That his strength, his grace is enough for us. Which leads me to the fourth point. That Jesus calls us to endure. Everyone say endure. Jesus calls us to endure. He calls us to persevere. Look back with me at Matthew 24. Flipping all over today. The end of Matthew 24, verse, sorry, verse 10 through 13, he says, Then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Everyone listen. Shh. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The one who endures to the end will be saved. Friends, over the last few days as I've been praying for you all, asking what the Lord had me share with, with you guys, I read this verse and it just stood out to me so, so fast. I know so many of you, if you were to be really honest with yourself, if you were to take off the mask that you wear in church, take off the facade that you put on when you're in school, around your friends, even around your families, if you were to be honest with yourself, you would say that you are deeply weary. That you're deeply weary, you're deeply tired. That if you were to be honest with yourself, you'd say, I don't, I don't know if I can keep doing this Jesus thing. I'm tired. There's, there's all this brokenness in the world. There's, there's persecution. My, I have no friends because I walk with Jesus. I, I don't understand why, why God won't answer this prayer, why, why this isn't changing, why there's pain and suffering in the world. It's tired. It's tired. And when I read this verse, I, I even thought about my life. When I sat in the very same seats as you guys, I had a huge group of friends I, I grew up with at this church. We came to this youth, we sat in this very room, listening to the word of the Lord, worshiping together. 
being passionate about Jesus. As my high school years went on, one by one by one by one, I saw my friends fall away. For some of them, it was, it was dating looked way, way better to them than this church. Being really successful, being popular, getting, getting the scholarship, whatever it was, those things became more precious. And for, for some of them, it was, I, I need this answer to this question or else I don't want to follow God. I saw one friend after another, after another, after another fall away from Jesus. They did not endure. They did not endure. And what Jesus says here, what he wants us to remember about his second coming is, friends, he is coming back and there is hope. And what he wants you to know this evening is he wants you to endure. Everyone say endure. He wants you to endure. He wants you to persevere. But friends, hear me. He's not calling you to do it by yourself or by your own willpower. He calls you to continue to run your race with perseverance, with endurance, not because you can do it. Hear me tonight. You aren't enough and you can't do it. Not a single one of us can go through this life by ourselves without the strength of God and without the strength of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so often we try to just keep going by our own willpower, by our own desire, trying to follow God hard enough and friends, that leads to burnout. That, that leads us to saying, God, God, where are you? Because we're trying to be strong. Listen to these words from scripture. And we'll go ahead and wrap up in a second. Hebrews 12, verse one. It's a familiar passage for many of us. It says, this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. Everyone say, looking to Jesus. God, everyone say, looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he, what? Endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Friends, hear me tonight. The only reason that we are able to endure the only reason we're able to run this race of faith is because Jesus is enough. Can you say Jesus is enough? The only reason we can do it is because Jesus is enough. That when you don't know if you have the strength to continue, when you don't know if you can keep on going into school and being the only Christian that's isolated, everyone looks at it and doesn't understand. If you don't know if you have the strength to continue when you see pain and suffering in your life, if you don't know if you have the strength to continue, maybe you've been, you've been sick for a long time. You have a disease, you have an ailment. Friends, hear me, by your own willpower, you will not endure to the end. But we have an example. 
the only one who could endure. And it's Jesus. And what does the author of Hebrews tell us here? It's two things. I want you guys to hear me here. It's two things. Number one, he says, therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. We're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Look, look around this room real quick. Look, look around, look around. Look at other, the other people. Friends, let me tell you something. You are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. In this, in this passage right before Hebrews 12 and Hebrews 11, the author lists person after person. Shh, look at me, look at me. Person after person of great faith who walked with God. And also the greatest example of that is Jesus. But friends, hear me tonight. We are not meant to walk this race alone. And so often, like, like this, this was, that like has definitely been me throughout my life, where I feel like to really follow Jesus passionately, like what that looked like was me by my own willpower, like just doing it, it's just me and Jesus. And friends, hear me. Every single person in this room, these are your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you are a believer in Jesus, you've been invited into a family. And that's not just cute language, that means you have responsibility to run this race, understanding that your brothers and sisters in Christ are around you. Understand that, the, that you are impacting the people around you, that they need you and that you need them. So God designed the body of Christ. And we're one body, we all need each other. We're not meant to, to run this race alone, but second and most importantly, the invitation is to look to Jesus. I'm to look to Jesus. It's to look to Jesus, the one who went to the cross that endured like no one else could, so that you and I could endure to the end. So this is what I want us to do. I want everyone to stand up. I want us to bring it up front. Shh, don't talk right now. Shh. Drew, we can bring the lights down even more. I want everyone to come up front. I want us to be close together. It's gonna to be hot and gross and awkward and that's youth group. But I wanna read this passage over us. I, I read this a few weeks ago and I felt like the Lord wanted me to, to read it again tonight as a reminder and an encouragement. Shh, move quietly, move quietly. It'll be up on the screen as well. 2 Corinthians 12 verse nine says this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ that I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Friends, hear me tonight. Everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. You have a God who is enough for you. You have a God who is enough for you. That in the suffering that you're walking through, the pain you're walking through, 
whether it's emotionally, mentally, physically. You cannot endure by yourself. You can't run this race by yourself, but you have a God that in your weakness, that's when he shows his grace and his strength. It's one of the most beautiful things about God. It's one of the most beautiful things about the life we live on earth. Hear me, hear me. That when we experience pain and suffering, disease and brokenness and even death, we can look at that and what that should make us say is, Lord Jesus, would you come back? Lord Jesus, come back. Because there's injustice in the world. There's brokenness in the world. There's death in the world. That will continue until Jesus comes back. But you know what else persecution, hardships, and suffering should make us do? To come to Jesus. To get on our knees and to fix our eyes on him. To fix our eyes on him and understand that without him, we are nothing. That without his grace, without his strength, we are unable to do. Without him, we can do nothing. Shh, listen guys. But with Jesus, in our weakness, his grace is sufficient. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes. Close your eyes right where you're at. I, I don't want this to be just a bunch of words. I want you to think about where this might be hitting home for you. Where you are carrying brokenness, where you are carrying pain, where there's suffering in your life, where there's fracture and brokenness in your life. Bring those things to your mind. Don't try to ignore them. Don't, don't dismiss them. Let the Lord bring those things to mind. And as those things come to mind, what I want you to do is with your hands, I want you to hold up your hands like this. Hold them up to the Lord with open hands. As a sign of saying, Jesus, this is yours. And with your eyes closed, I want you to try to picture Jesus. You may try to picture the cross and hanging there. You may, you may think about one of the stories of Jesus bending down, taking people by the hand and raising them up. Saying, son, daughter, your faith has made you well. Thinking about him saying your name. Forgiving you. And as you try to picture Jesus, we're going to go into the song of worship. And as we do, I want you to look to Jesus. One, to remember that he will come back and he will make all things right. He will make all things new. Revelation tells us he will wipe every tear from our eyes. Picture Jesus doing that for you. Coming close to you, grabbing you by the face and wiping every tear from your eye. Because all the brokenness and injustice will be dealt with. But I also want to try, I want you to try to picture Jesus. And think about the cross that, that he endured for you so that you could endure to the end, so that you could know him, so that you come into his kingdom with gratitude. And as you do that, I want you to come to him in dependence and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I don't have enough strength to run this race, but Lord, your grace is sufficient. Your strength be perfect in my weakness. Friends, let's sing this song together in response to our God.